Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producer of the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Kershaw Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNOTO. Mark, good day, sir. <clears throat> Jeffrey, I know, uh, I know you said you said from the get-go, week two was gonna be better than week yep. one in college football. But I gotta tell you, I had a delightful week one, I feel like. Great, great Labor Day weekend to start the football season officially as we as we've decided on this show. Would you not agree? It was a very satisfying, you know, week zero. If that, you know, that kind of eh, kind of left a, I came out of it going, why, why schedule these type of crappy games if we're gonna have like a, if we're gonna do week zero, let's do, let's make it a thing, you know? Sure. But week one, I felt like delivered. It was delivered well. Saturday was pretty balanced because you already had like game of the year esque quality game between TCU and Colorado. Oh yeah. That was just, who knows like what those teams are going to end up being. But at the same time, that was like must watch game. It was, it was so much fun. And then I thought the two thirty window, but I knew that window wasn't going to be great coming into it. That window was pretty sleepy. Like when I, I felt like the biggest development of that is Ohio state. Ew. Like, Ew, particularly your offense. Like that to me, like that felt like the biggest story. You had Washington throwing it all over Boise, but that was mm-hmm. something that was possible. Well, I did not see I did not see us coming out of the weekend going, Pac twelve looks pretty good this year. And They're, then going and then going going, eh, the Big Ten SEC. Eh, yeah. you know, maybe. I mean, I think you can make the, the argument the that the elite teams look really good. The weekend felt like the biggest stories were the Pac-12 and the ACC. Yeah, yeah. So lots to overreact to on Overreaction Monday I, or Overreaction Tuesday, I guess this week. I've been I've been looking forward to this segment all weekend. So even though we've got some we've got we've got some news on Mikey Williams, 
non-news news, once again, on Mikey Williams. Is, I think you can make the argument it's a development. A development? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going with it. The latest development in the Mikey Williams case is that uh, his hearing has been postponed once again, his preliminary hearing. And so we do not have an answer on his long-term future. I want to discuss I think we should save it for the list because I've been looking forward to talking college football uh, all weekend. Um, but I think we've been thinking about the Mikey Williams thing all wrong. I want to get into it in the list next hour. Uh, Tim Murray's going to join us next segment like he always does uh, to talk some college football as well. And uh, then we uh, probably got, we got NFL two days away. This is great. We got opening night Thursday. Chiefs Lions. Chiefs Lions on NBC, or is I mean I think we I think we can safely say we kind of know what we're getting out of the Chiefs, right? Well, Kelsey uh, got hurt today. So yeah, but like we'll in see. general, would we would both be very surprised that come January, if the Chiefs are not a significant part of the story, you're pretty surprised. Yes, I would agree. So whether we'll, or not the Lions are ready for prime time, that's the question. We'll we'll dive into the NFL. Maybe it, I have a big fantasy draft tonight, Jeffrey. Maybe we'll maybe I did maybe, both of those last week, and I uh, as a tradition, I I already hate my team. Maybe you can help me strategize or something like uh, that. You don't want my strategies. Okay, all right. We'll talk. We'll talk NFL as well. It's a it's a big big week. This is one of those great. We always talk about like what are the what are some of the great weeks on the calendar. I'm not saying this is number one, but like start of football season week, if you will, like this crossover. You had the start of college football, and now coming up, you get college football week two and the start of NFL. Like over an eight day span, the amount or nine or ten day span, the amount of you know well, we return get, to football we get. We get the real football rhythm for this week. So you get the NFL opening on Thursday, and so that'll get you ready. Even though this game's not the Amazon game, it gets you ready for. NFL Thursday and then supplementary football. Friday night, you can either have your high school games uh, mm-hmm. of your choice or mm-hmm. we got a few scattered a few scattered college games. But then Saturday's wall-to-wall college football, and that bleeds right into wall-to-wall Sunday. All right, so let's get into some of our overreactions. Um, I, I think we should start with the Dion story was the biggest story of the okay. weekend in college football to me. The Dion Colorado, the Colorado, Colorado, the game itself, as you put it, a game of the year candidate in week one. Um, just in terms, not even in, it was a, an exciting game, but also just the characters involved, the theater of it. Dion, the way he just, the way he, heck, the way he spoke, even during the game when they would put a microphone in front of him, like he was dynamic the entire no, the, day. The only and ne- very much Dion Sanders. The only negative. I had about to say about that game was, did Dion think that was the national championship? <laughs> he, I, I don't understand. But so, it had big game. Feel. There's no denying they made that a big game, and it felt like a big game. Yes, and my my overreaction to all that was like I was just stunned at the Dion has suddenly become this polarizing figure, and I don't understand why in the sense of. And maybe it was just because back when he was doing his aunt, you know, doing this as a player, like when he, you know, he was very outspoken like this as a player, there wasn't social media. And so you didn't hear the, you know, he's done controversial things before, like the Tim McCarver thing and whatever. But sure. like, I'm just stunned to hit everything he says becomes so controversial now. Because like, I just look at it and I'm like, that press conference was Deion Sanders being Deion Sanders, making himself like, the, like making himself kind of, the center of attention in a benevolent way, if that makes sense. Like he does it, there's just enough charm there 
where it's not doesn't come off as like yeah it doesn't come off as too egotistical if that makes sense it it, it comes off as a showman and there's a method to his madness in terms of what he's saying at these press conferences i'm just stunned that like people are like outraged at what he's saying when he's just like one this is how he's always been yep and two like, he's just trying to galvanize his team. Like, he's using the us-against-the-world, you know, mentality. Just, you know, the, a few different things here and there, you know. And he's he's channeled the power of, like, HBCUs and black America behind him. Like, I think it's, like, very smart in terms of how he's, like, playing this. It probably was a little over the top, but, like, that's Deion Sanders. Why are we, why are we upset about this? I think there's a lot here. So, number one, let's start with the incident in question. Did you see who he was targeting? Uh, Yeah, it was Ed Werder, right? Ed Werder. Yes. He had written something for ESPN ahead of the game that was, you know, like Dion perceived to be slanted in a very, like it was a, it was a very skeptical skeptical story if that makes right. sense and, and like that's fine I think the thing though that was interesting to me it's like how many college football games has Ed Werder covered in the last I don't know 25 years yeah well I think they had him covering it because of, of his the Cowboys, rela- the Cowboys he had angle. a prior yes. relationship with Dion and yeah. he's based there and anyways and um but yeah no it was I mean Dion that was who Dion was attacking in that, or asking to if he believes in the Correct. press conference. Sounds like you don't believe. Um, I mean, listen, I, I think Dion can say whatever he It's his press conference. He can say whatever he wants, and then Ed Werder can write and report whatever he wants. That's how it works. You yeah, know what no, I mean? I, like, I don't understand that, you know, like, that's how, that's just how it goes. And I don't think it, what, I think what it would have been outlandish for Ed Werder to answer what Dion was asking him. But, like, ultimately, it's Dion's press conference if he wants to ask, do you believe? You know, like, sure. do, you know, like his, it's his press conference. He's using it. What I don't think people realize is he's, like, using – like, he uses the media. He's been using the media his entire career to portray a certain image. Well, no. I mean, did did anyone – I guess you could make the argument Florida State. Did any football program have a better weekend than Colorado in terms of attention, mm-hmm. delivering – yeah, media attention, everything. Like, well, that's the other part. Is like, ultimately, it's very clear whether like everyone goes like, oh, you know, like they was just one game, and I get that. But like, ultimately, what he proved in that game is like this team is pretty good. Like they're gonna win six, seven, eight games at least. That Colorado mm-hmm. team and could Maybe. win. Like when you look at the schedule, I think now they just went into TCU and beat TCU. Yeah, but I think that might say more about TCU. Like here, here's the problem. But, like, well, I would say this. Colorado was picked to be like one of the worst teams in their FBS win, this here's year. Here's what I think you can say definitively. Their, and that's not what that their was. Their win total is two and a half, and that is wrong. Yeah. That that is they're gonna make a bowl. Maybe. I'm telling you, don't don't get a like that defense is still horrific. And if the offense made a big stop late. Again, that might have been Chandler Morris. So, well, here's what I would say. I hope they're a bowl team or better because one, 
Travis Hunter is that's awesome. The guy's like, all, incredible. I don't know if he can do can can you do that all year? No, you cannot play 129. Who's now, the I would try to in spots. You might be able to play. Who's the last guy who played that many snaps two ways? We've had two-way guys, but never I don't like know, I don't know the cuz even like Champ, Woodson. Remember Champ Bailey? Yeah, but, he played a bunch of snap bunch of snaps here's on the offense thing. and defense, but I don't know the last Georgia. time because you have to look at it this way. Both TCU and Colorado's offenses run at pretty high tempos. Yeah. How many times are you going to see a game where there's 150 plays and one guy played 129 of them? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. That was. You could tell me that's the most somebody's played since, like, it was, an, it was an incredible performance. The running back, who was a Notre Dame commit, who Dion flipped, I believe, when Brian Kelly left, I guess. Yeah, there was another school that was involved. Oh, no, it may not. It may not I, I don't know what it was. But he, he was at one point. He was a Notre Dame commit, and then, but yeah, Dylan Edwards. He was great, uh, and then his son Shador Sanders. I mean, I, I thought he. I remember watching him in the Southern Heritage Classic and telling you, I go, I think this guy's really good, even in the Southern. You know, when well, he's playing, I remember, they played at Jackson State, and he showed it. I mean, he's great. They played Knoxville Catholic, who was in MUS's league one year, like on the like the mm-hmm. early season ESPN. You know the. Mm-hmm. Week zero game they put on, and I remember thinking like, I don't know like what this guy's ceiling is, but it was very obvious he was extremely well coached. Like he had good instincts and he was really accurate. Well, guess what really works in college football? Like that, that one. Works. And to be fair, like he wasn't an HBCU level recruit. He was like an AAC level. Like I think he, was, he was at FAU, F- FAU, or yeah, FAU. But he had like a AAC type offers coming well, out of yeah, high school. But I mean, I think. But I think then he was, when, yeah. when his dad became the coach of Jackson State, went there. But um, that is going to be a gigantic – if they keep winning, they play Nebraska this week. Who do they have after that? I don't even know. I don't know. SC's in there somewhere where it's like that it, game's – the point total is going to be like 85. It's very clear they're going to be a major part of this season, a major storyline of this season. Dion and, you know, like every, now everything – I mean, everything he says is just – So here, here's, here's their schedule because this is kind of where – like when everyone's rushing to, like I think it's entirely possible TCU's not good. Like, don't forget Chandler Morris won the job last year over Max Duggan, and then Chandler got hurt in the Colorado game, and then Max Duggan came in, and then like, it was all of a sudden like, oh, that's that's TCU, mm-hmm. and they've lost a lot of guys off that roster. But like you look at, they have Nebraska, Nebraska at home on Saturday. Then they have Colorado State. They're probably going to be favored in both those games. Mm-hmm. But then they go to Oregon, USC at home, at Arizona State. So I think about four. Stanford looked way more competent under the new regime. Oregon State or at UCLA, Chip Kelly was griping about uh, how fast the clock was, so he mm-hmm. might like his team. Oregon State, Arizona. I mean, like they can get to a bowl game. I think if they get six wins or more, that's a hell of a season. Mm-hmm. This team had a win total of two and a half, Mark. Like, that's smashing the win total. But I still think it's like, okay, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I don't think this is all of a sudden, like, the biggest story in town because would it truly shock you if they turn around, they expend all that energy, and then they turn around and Nebraska turns the game into a slugfest in which – you know, and look, this is going to be, you know, all this stuff Dion said after the game. You know, like 
when you say stuff like that, you add to the pressure on your team going into the next game. One thing that I think is undeniable about Colorado, that offense is good. Yeah. Like I don't think you can question that. Yeah. Well, and, and we we said it. One of the one of the signs I think that Dion is like this isn't like an act. Like I think he's a really good coach. We said it when he was at Jackson State, but like the <clears throat> the caliber of coaches he gets on his staff, he had like NFL guys coming to coach at Jackson State. He just got the Kent State head coach to become his offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like he there's the dude seems to know what he's doing. I, I I don't know. There's something so, about him. I think the my overreaction is Dion is a threat. And not a threat to college football fans. I think Dion is a threat to the coaching community. Oh, here we and go. I think I think why why you can see a lot of negative stories is I think there's a lot of coaches who are like you see that crap at Colorado. You get a lot of you get a lot of that. My my only problem with Dion is that he screwed over the Southern Heritage Classic. That's my only problem with Dion. But in terms of like as a coach, like I think it has been very clear for a minute now. Feels like a year or two. That like this guy, if think, he wants to be a coach, is like going to be a good coach at the very least. And you know, if he can turn around, if he can turn around this team from what it was last year, like a one sure. win, terrible, one of the worst FBS teams in the country, and get to a bowl game in one year. I mean, like that is one of the great coaching jobs you've seen in a long time. Well, I think the other thing that I would say is, like, I think when you, like, distill it down, Dion just gets it. Because look, mm-hmm. at what, look at what he's done. All right, I got to flip this roster. Because remember the first complaint was like, look at all the kids that don't mm-hmm. have homes. It's like, they were 1-11. Like, yeah. he's paid to win games. That's his job. Him getting rid of the roster, and at least, at least he was, like, truly upfront about it. At his freaking press conference, he goes, I've got Louie coming. Yeah. No, he 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 did it better than some coaches, certainly. Correct. He was very upfront about, Make like. What, if you don't like it, like, I would just say this. If, it feels worse to, like, not say it and kind of, like, push dudes out. Correct. I'd, I think I'd rather you be upfront about correct. it. Correct. At least he was honest about it. Number two, he seems to hire, to your point, really good assistants. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it was at Jackson State, whether or not it's at Colorado, like he seems to understand, my job is get players, mm-hmm. hire good coaches, and then let it play out. Yeah, because that was the other thing that I thought was really impressive about Colorado on Saturday was I thought there were a couple of times you could feel the game slipping away from them, and they didn't blink. Mm-hmm. They kept like they kept staying in it. They kept making plays, and as bad as that defense was for much of the game, like they basically sat there and said, "Okay, you ran it down our throats." the last two possessions, we're going to give you a look that says you can't throw it or you can't run it on us. you got to throw it. Mm-hmm. And they made they made the plays. Well, and and on the other end of the spectrum, why, why I think this was a great week one as we as we go on to other storylines, um, good narrative weekend, Jeffrey. Not in addition to the football, the results carried with them great narratives. You had Dion uh, uh, on the rise, Mike Norvell reaching – uh, well, I'll say this about Mike Norvell. I was watching that game, and I, I thought it was great fun watching Florida State pull away from LSU. Just having covered Mike Norvell and watched him at Memphis, 
I was, I was, I found I mean, that, that it was one of those things. You know, you turn on a game. I was rooting for Florida State while I was watching. it. That was a second. I'm not a Florida State fan. I'm not, you know, but I, you know, I, I, I wanted to see them. I, it was enjoyable watching them pound LSU. Yeah, I'm not in the camp of like Florida State. I don't look at Florida State as a little underdog. Like I look at like what they let their program get to mm-hmm. was yeah. a a real problem. But the thing that you cannot deny is here comes the big bad SEC team, the team that lots of smart people are going, this is the best team in the SEC West. This mm-hmm. team is, if it's not Georgia, this team could win a national title. And then in the second half, they made an adjustment going to that two-back look, and mm-hmm. LSU looked like they wanted to be anywhere but that stadium on Saturday night or Sunday night. Yeah, and it, well, and it just seemed like it. you have that, Combined with what we saw Monday night, again, we thought I was not necessarily thinking I was going to be transfixed by Clemson Duke on Monday night, but watching Clemson's demise, if you will, or decline, sure. it felt like on display there from uh, Wallace Wade. Too bad the track wasn't there for this one. I it felt like we 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 could have had some good gifts out of the track still being there and the rushing of the field. It would have been sl- you know a little more slick. I'll give Duke credit. I kept thinking in the fourth quarter, this is going to be a sad field storming. Because, mm. you know what I mean? Like, it's just. That was a good one. No, it was. It was uh, I give them credit. It was a great it was a field good, storming. It was, well, yeah, because it felt like when you were watching the game, it was like, man, there's there's a lot of Clemson fans there. Correct. <laughs> you know, like, a lot of Clemson fans got tickets to this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing, like, going back to Florida State, one thing that is, I think, an underrated part of college football. When they get that tomahawk chop going uh, and it's going against you, there's just nowhere else. Like in you- the fourth quarter, there was one defensive series. I forget exactly. I think they were up like tw- it was like twenty eight thirteen at this point, or maybe like thirty one thirteen. It felt. I I think that's. I think you're right. It was like twenty. It was either the thirty one seventeen. It wasn't drive. completely over yet. Correct. And and they just came out and over a three and out. It was like a t- tackle for loss. Incomplete pass and then check like a down. short check yeah. down that wasn't even close to a first down. And those after every play, you know, like just those loud horns. And, and it was awesome. It's so intimidating. <laughs> and it just like it does transfix you. Like if you're in your mid thirties or older, like that did just take you back to like when Florida State had nothing but like Six three guys that weighed like two forty and ran four twos all over the field, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god! Like that—that's what it felt like. It was. I I venture to guess it's going to be difficult, not impossible, but like that—that's certainly the best tomahawk chop Mike Norvell's been part of during his tenure there so far. Oh can't, yeah, I can't. I know I haven't watched every game, but I can't imagine. There, even though that was in Orlando, it wasn't a true home game. Um, that, that was like an awesome moment. Um, but you know, he's got a, it feels like he's got a playoff team potentially. Like that team looks like it's the clear favorite in the ACC after you compared them to Clemson. Yeah. I mean, I think you can make an argument. Clemson's the third best Carolina school in the ACC (laughs) right now. UNC. UNC, because that to me, that what UNC having a defense that is stunning. And I don't know if that said more about South Carolina or that said maybe that, that North Carolina's fixed some things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what we saw with Duke, yes, it was somewhat fluky on the sense of they got three 
goal-to-go turnovers, mm-hmm. two of which directly turned into touchdowns. So we're talking like 35-point swings there. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was stunning to me is Duke was able to run the ball on Clemson and incredibly effectively. Yeah. Like, sack-adjusted rushing, like, they ran it for six a carry. But, I mean, I think the thing that's important, though, to remember, sometimes what week one can remind us is, yes, I do think it's entirely possible. I, I think I think there's no doubt Florida State announced on Sunday we're the best team in the ACC, therefore they're a playoff contender. But I also took a lot from... There's, there's no divisions, right, in correct, the ACC Correct, just the top two teams. Okay. But what I took away from that was we really bought into the Brian Kelly's got LSU different because let me mm. let me take you back to what last year was. It was a nine and three year in the regular season, and they had a big win against Alabama. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to their last ten games, four of which have been blowout losses, like they've gotten absolutely filleted. And it's like a reminder, the LSU job's a good job. Like, 9-3 and LSU is kind of like a standard LSU team. But I think we probably bought into LSU's got it rolling under Brian Kelly because he's not Ed Orgeron. And I'm still not quite there yet because... It does feel like that team we watched, they'll, they'll probably get it together some... But it does. It feels like another nine and three team. Correct. And like I want to be clear, I don't think LSU stinks. But mm-hmm. I think what we saw is if you are a team that can throw the football, you've got a chance against LSU because that's that I cannot yeah. remember an LSU secondary where I was like, wow, these guys can't cover. Now, Florida State has two awesome receivers, mm-hmm. and there was not a whole lot you could do. And then, but like I do want to be somewhat fair to LSU in the sense that Mason Smith wasn't playing. And so that made Perkins' life more difficult. But it does feel like Perkins as a traditional linebacker is not the way to use Perkins. Feels like last year where you just had him coming off the edge and mm-hmm. being an agent of chaos, that seemed to be better. I was a little surprised that LSU couldn't really run the ball. Like It felt like mm-hmm. their running was just Jaden Daniels breaking away. But overall, like I, I don't know. Like I, I just found myself having more questions about LSU than I did, I think Florida State, I'm ready to say 100% is ready to go because there was a point in the second quarter where I was like, LSU might knock them out. And mm-hmm. they didn't. And then when that didn't happen, it's like, uh-oh, vibes of well, vibes I just, it just, it did, I don't know. I don't trust North Carolina. And now I don't trust Clemson. And so it does, it, it feels like there's a, it's going to be easier than usual to win the ACC this year. Yeah, I kind of want to see Miami this week against yeah, that's true. against A&M. Um, but I still don't think Miami's quite there yet. It does feel like Florida State is one of the handful of teams that I like. I trust their offense and I trust their defense. How many teams can you say that about I right mean, now? We'll, we'll know quickly. They play Clemson in two weeks. They, it's, it's September 20th, not two weeks, three weeks, September 29th. Is when they play Clemson in Clemson in yeah. Clemson in Death Valley. So um, we'll have something of a clear, more clear answer very quickly on them. Um, All right, you were you were at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium on Saturday night. Do you yes. have an overreaction? Do I have an overreaction? From the Bethune oh, Cookman game, I do have an overreaction. All right, let's cook. I'm thinking maybe this defense could be 
the reason why this Memphis football team is good enough, if that makes sense. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're an AAC winner, but I, I predicted nine and three before the year. Remember, I upped it from yep. eight and four to nine and three. The defense is is what surprisingly, contrary to you know the history of the re, the recent history of Memphis yep. football success. I know it was just Bethune Cookman, but they played well towards the end of last year. Maybe that's what puts them over the top and makes them, you know, fulfill my nine and three prediction. That's my overreaction. The defense will be the can be the can be a catalyst for this because I think it might be a I, I think this might be a a really good defense by Memphis terms. I don't know what that means nationally, but I think by Memphis terms, I think this could be a really good defense. So the only problem I have with that being a difference maker for the team is mm-hmm. I I'm ready to say my week one overreaction is my spidey sense on Tulane was dead wrong. Okay, They looked really good. Mm-hmm. And my spidey sense on UTSA might have been right. Because you they, don't think they look, they didn't look great against Houston. And a, granted, Houston has some really good athletes on defense, but the problem was, I don't know if the whole explosive chunk it up offense is going to work. Yeah. It was a 17 14 game. And it was really set like it was 17 7. And they scored. Correct. Yeah, right. And then they were unable to put them away. But the one thing that I was, I think. SMU looked pretty good. Um, now, I've also mm-hmm. flagged La Tech for being not good. But SMU pretty much did what they wanted to offensively. And so the reason why I bring those two teams up is Tulane looks like you're going to have to score to beat them. And they're good enough, I think, on defense to you're going to have to, like, really keep pace. It also, But I would say this. Missouri didn't look that good. No, not offensively. Boise State didn't look that good. No, bad matchup, but they did not look good. Um, and then, you know, I guess did Charlotte look a little? I, did, I didn't get it. I'm yeah. not even gonna lie to you. I, I just, got you, just zero the, eyes. you just saw the no sleeves, correct from Biff. Yes. Um, you know, I, I just think I don't. Again, I'm not sure this Memphis team will, you know, ultimately win an AAC championship. But I think the defense looked pretty promising and. North Texas did not look good because I watched a lot of that game. And look, I'm excited to see what Blake Watson and what Sutton Smith and Demir Blankamsey and Rock Taylor, those guys who Seth Hennig, you know, were kind of the, seemed to be the the big weapons in the first game. Kobe Drake seemed to have an increased role uh, at times. Um, I'm excited to see what they can oh, do moving forward. One team forward. I would flag, and again, it's Monmouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, FAU looks like they have offense again. Gotcha. Yeah. I, you know, Tom Herman knows how to win in the AAC. Correct. You know, he knows how to win in the AAC. So um, it'll be, but they don't play. Do they play FAU? I thought so. All right. Yeah. I, okay. I think you're right. Yeah. They they avoid UTSA. They avoid. Uh, I don't think that is FAU at home. I don't think they play FAU. I thought if I thought there was they one. get they get UAB, um, two, Tulane UAB. No, I know they North get North Texas, Texas, South Florida, Charlotte SMU. Temple. No, I screwed up. I was like, I knew there was a Florida trip, but it's the South Florida and yeah. uh, 
South Florida. That's what I'm Western. saying. Like yeah. I feel like you know you just win one you win one toss up and you you can go nine and three with this schedule. Are you concerned that there were some turnover problems? Well, I'll say this: Seth Hennigan, for the first time in his career, completed seventy for five percent of mm-hmm. his passes. Didn't think he had a particularly great game. Like as like you know. Sure. Now, it sounds like. Bethune Cookman played a completely different defense than what they were anticipating. Than and what it was new coordinators and what he had done previous the guy had done previously, he did not do in this game. And in fact, the quarterback they used, Willie Simmons third, was not even on the two deep that yeah. they released. Um, so, no, I mean, and that's kind of a week one story, particularly in the like transfer portal era. These teams will come out and you think you know what they're gonna do, mm-hmm. and you have no clue. Like Texas State shows up at Baylor and they're running, they're essentially running like the Art Bryles Veer and Shoot offense with TJ Finley. And all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, like this team, this looks like a completely different team than we were scheduled to play. Like that does happen week one. Yeah. And so, um, and they went right down the field on them, scored a touchdown right away yeah. with like, but most, it was mostly because of the way the defense was playing. It was like a lot of like wide receiver screens that then the you know receiver would take, or you know a pass out of the backfield to Blake Watson, whatever. But it was they scored. They went right down the field. They took what the defense gave them, went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Then it was like the rest of the first quarter and like some of the second quarter, like they didn't really get anything going. Um, and yeah, he had a really bad pick six where it was like on a swing pass. Yeah. Um, and then the second interception was high. But also probably should have been caught. Yeah. Um. But and then didn't he? He also was on the field for the fumble, right? Yes. That you know. So they had three turnovers and then a another interception that was reversed by replay. Yeah. Um. So he only missed. I think he was missed nine passes in the game total. I think he was like yeah twenty five yeah. twenty six to thirty five or something, something like, like that, that yeah. or whatever. But um the misses weren't great and. I think like he wasn't bad. He was good enough, and he probably like it might even be good enough for this week's game against Arkansas State, who looked really awful against Oklahoma. <clears throat> excuse me, Oklahoma. Arkansas State looked like they're gonna they're gonna be needing a new coach. The question is, is during the season. Yeah, and so um, now I will say, the way that Arkansas State game played out, I think is actually not. I would not want if I was Memphis. I would hate. I hate that it played out that way because now. If you lose, it looks really bad. Like, it was already going to look bad if you went to Arkansas. Let's just be honest. In an important year like this, even though it's in Jonesboro, like, you're expected to go win that game. You're a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. But now that like, they lost 73 to nothing, it would look really bad if you lose that game. And now you get zero credit for going and winning it. Yeah, I still think that that was where this was going to be headed anyway. To me, to me, like, your first three games – Mm-hmm. It's now definitive. Like, you should be 3-0. and Yeah. And then where we'll start to get context with this team is when they play Missouri. Because mm-hmm. it's like a it's going to be a game where you don't really have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. And we'll start to see, like, what do you look like against a quality team? Mm-hmm. And then you've got a three-game stretch of Missouri, Boise, and Tulane yeah. where we'll know exactly what this team is. Yeah. No, that's when we'll <laughs> – that's how it is. Uh, that's how it's shaping up. But, no, I thought I thought Seth Hennigan can be better. Which is also a good thing. Like I think I don't think it was his best game. You know, not close to it. Yeah, and you're fine having a game like that in the yeah week one. Um, 
So, and then the defense was great. The kicker seemed to be pretty good. I thought that was he hit a forty-five yarder that felt like it could go five, ten yards. For, yeah, yeah, he had like yeah, it wasn't just barely over. Are you in are you in boom territory where you think fifty-yard field goals are the sign of whether or not like you have an elite kick, fit, fit, kicker in college? If you can bang a fifty-yarder like seventy-five percent of the time, fifty percent of the time, even I think that's yeah. No, pretty, if you get, in college, it's fifty-fifty. Yeah, in the NFL, it's like 75, 75 20, but twenty-five. Yeah. I think yeah. If you can, if you have someone who you feel good, I, he's not going to make it every time, but you feel good about the decision to put him out there for a fifty yarder. That's yeah. That to me is a good sign of a good uh, kicker in college, and it feels like Seth Morgan is his name. He he was a kicker at Sam Houston State last year and was pretty good at Sam Houston State. And you know, kicking is one of those. You know, it's not like go. It's not like being a defensive lineman right. moving up a level. You know, I guess the rush probably comes a little quicker. Rush comes a little quicker, and usually the games have more stakes. But yeah, in general, it's like you're still just kicking the ball. Yes, yeah. So um, the uprights are the same. Yeah, yeah. Good sign. No, I thought it was a you know as good as that type of game should have been. You know what I mean? Like ultimately, you knew you weren't going to be able to make any definitive um, declarations based off what you do against Bethune Cookman. But I thought they did enough good things to feel good about the game, like they dominated the game like they should have, and um, now they go, to, as you put it, like it's unacceptable to be anything but 3-0, and it feels like, yeah, given, uh, given the stakes of the season and what's ahead. Like you, this team, if you if this team really wants to be good, they need to be 3-0 and coming out of these first three. Yeah, I'm I'm more iffy on Navy just because, like, I want to see Navy against a team that's not Notre Dame. Now they're going to play – now Navy's going to play an FCS team. Correct. Next week. And it's like – but if, like, if their option looks like – Looks better. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's a tough matchup just because, like, that's the only time you're going to see the option. Yeah. No, that's a – and you're going to see it on short – Right. Uh, a short uh, rest period because there's a five-day – you know, it's a Thursday night game after this Arkansas State game in Jonesboro. So, fun week one. Let's talk about it more with yep. Tim Murray from VEASAN. We still got to get to Alabama, Georgia. Uh, the, the, we got a new poll the new poll out, mm-hmm. uh, new polls, uh, Jeffrey. So, Tim Murray from VEASAN is going to join us next. You're listening to Giannotto and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply analysis by ukulele speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023 Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Nine. Tim Murray is, of course, the host of VSIN Primetime. You can also check out his podcast, the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. He's on Twitter, at 1TimMurray. Tim, I guess let's look at it this way. From week one, who are you moving up and who are you moving down in your power ratings? Because I think there's a tendency to overreact to what we saw in week one, but who changed your opinion? Well, I think we obviously have to start with Colorado. Um, I mean, that's the most unique situation we've got going on in college football, and I didn't know what to expect with them. I didn't bet against them. I didn't bet on them. Um, You know, they were a team that – I just kind of wanted to see what they were, and uh, very impressive offensively. I think defensively, they're going to have some serious issues. Um, but you know, this week you look at—I'll uh, give you an example. Look ahead line at the South Point here in Las Vegas for this game opened Nebraska minus nine. Yeah. So that's you know over the summer, those come down, games get played, they get reposted. And now Colorado's a three, three and a half point favorite. So, I mean, that's a two touchdown shift in one week, which is pretty much unheard of. But reworking your roster like Colorado did is something that is completely unheard of. You know, another team further off the radar uh, that you have to upgrade to is Texas State. Uh, This is a team that similarly kind of reworked their whole roster. Didn't get nearly the love, understandably so, like Colorado did, but... Uh, they basically took like the bulk of Incarnate Words roster from the FCS ranks, G.J. Kinney as their head coach, and uh, just brought it over and, and are running a unique system down there, and they were able to beat Baylor in week one. So, you know, when it just comes to flat-out power ratings and whatnot, those are the teams you jump the most. Um, I think a team that um, I, I think you have to move up a decent amount is, is Florida State, too. I mean, yeah. what they did on Saturday, on Sunday night, especially in the second half, was was unbelievable. I mean, uh, I, I ended up betting Florida State, you know, going into that game. I, I took the points uh, with them. We saw the market move to about one, one and a half to close. LSU a slight favorite. And, you know, that second half was, was unbelievable from Florida State. And then you look at what Clemson did, and, you know, right now you clearly have to say the favorite to win that conference is Florida State. We'll see what happens September 23rd. But, yeah, those are the three teams that, you know, obviously Texas State and Colorado on a, on a different kind of level. But I would say Florida State to an extent just of just how well they played. And, and you look at all the dudes that they have. I mean, they dropped a bunch of balls, too. Uh, their pass catchers did. But uh, they were really, really impressive. Do you downgrade LSU? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, maybe, I mean, execution inside the red zone was really poor in that first half. Um, I'm not going to downgrade them too much. I wasn't as high on them as everybody else. Not to say I thought they were going to stink, but 
everyone was just kind of penciling them in to win the SEC West again. I'm like, I don't know, guys. Like, they beat Alabama in overtime at home. I know Alabama will know more about you know Jalen Milrow come this week when they play Texas, but I mean Alabama's got a lot of dudes out there, and and LSU's got some serious concerns at at cornerback, uh, serious concerns with the run game. I mean. I think they're they're four running backs combined for like twelve carries and I want to say like thirty some odd yards. It was really not all that impressive. But I'm not going to overreact too much on LSU. What about Ohio State? <sighs> yeah, they're a tricky one um, because they've got superstars at wide receiver, but do they have get a quarter- the ball? <laughs> right? Do they have a quarterback? So I mean, I think that's that's the biggest question, right? And I don't know if we're going to know the answer until September 23rd when they go to South Bend, you know, uh, and, and is Notre Dame a team that can take advantage of that? I think Notre Dame's biggest weakness, honestly, is probably their edge rushers, you know? So, like, is Notre Dame going to take advantage of of a, of a young quarterback? Uh, personally, I hope so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ohio State, very – very pedestrian performance against an Indiana team that I think majority of the folks out there believe that Indiana could be looking for a new head coach this year. All right, let's let's switch focus a little bit <clears throat> to week two. Yep. The big game, Alabama-Texas. What did you guys make of Jalen Milrow? Because it feels like to me, for whatever reason, they're not fully committed to him, right? Like, he doesn't no, no. have that job. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They look pretty committed, but I thought this week. You thought so? Because, do you see, Tim, do you see they brought in second? Uh, did they, they brought in the freshman, didn't no, they? No, they brought in Buckner second. Huh. Because I think, I think if they were – I think what they are really committed to is they want to run the ball down your throat. They think their offensive line is very good. They like their two backs. And then – He's going to be able to he's hit. One, he's one of their five best weapons. And, like, you know, this is probably the position he best fits at right now, and you don't have a clear-cut quarterback, right? Isn't that kind of what it is? He, I think they're more committed to him than I – I think the reports are he started winning the job kind of midway through camp, and I think something's going to have to go, like, horrifically wrong. And it's not even necessarily – because of him, it's. I don't think they have a ton of faith, like in what's behind him. Well, I thought they looked good. It's MTSU, though. Like I, I don't yeah. know what. What did you make of? Because Texas was pretty pedestrian yeah. against Rice. Uh, offense was a little slow, but at the same time, like it felt like Texas knew we've got to get to this week healthy. And I, I, I didn't really know what to make of it, one way or the other. Yeah, I, I just, I don't make too much of anything in in those spots yeah i mean they were 16-3 they came out at the second half and then they they blew them away um you know we we saw what you know they're capable of with with their big time wide receivers but i i just it's hard for me in in spots like i'm not going to go crazy because oregon scored 81 points on yeah. portland state and i'm not going to go crazy cuz texas and michigan kind of you know, sleptwalk and Georgia to an extent kind of sleptwalk through through their performances. So, uh, and I think that's where you kind of get into trouble a little bit with the overreactions, and and that's where you know, as a better, you can kind of try to pick off some spots that that you like, you know, uh, as you know, playing against some of these overreactions. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I I just I can't take too much from Texas in that spot, you know. 
I know Texas will probably be a pretty popular dog play, which always makes me worried uh, in this spot, catching seven uh, against against Alabama. And Alabama, I probably was a little higher on than than others, just because, man, the second you start doubting, you know, Nick Saban. And, and here's the thing too: is if you look at recruiting rankings, I want to say Alabama over the last like four or five years has has been like historically good like just the talent that they've bringing in now if you don't have a quarterback that could be a massive issue and we don't know if they do have a quarterback and back to your point about what to expect from the quarterbacks this year I kind of think you're right Jeffrey in that I think they see these three quarterbacks as similar skill sets and that if Jalen Milrow were to go down okay, Tyler Buckner comes in, and, and what's Tyler Buckner's best skill? It's running. Yeah. It's not throwing, and he, he he can make a lot of mistakes, as we've seen, but he can also be a pretty dynamic runner. I mean, when he was a true freshman at Notre Dame, he was the change of pace guy when because yeah. Jack Cohen had you know cinder blocks on his feet. Yeah. Last year, he was the starter. He gets hurt in week two, but even prior to that, you just didn't really see a ton from him, and then he plays the Gator Bowl, you see the positives, which is his running ability, but you also see the negatives of him turning the ball over. So I think if Tyler Buckner's in there, he's he's going to be running a lot. And and I think that's what you saw with Jalen Milrow. To me, that game very much depends on game script. Like, if Alabama has the lead, I, I kind of like Bama in that situation. But if it gets into a situation where, like, Texas, you know, jumps up on him, like, let's say, like, 14-3, and then all of a sudden Alabama's got to decide, are we going to get into a shootout or are we going to keep – keep like to, to me, it's when you can get Milrow into obvious passing situations and he's not just throwing like off play action to guys that are, that are open. That's where I think you're going to try to determine whether or not he's improved as a passer because what we saw against MTSU was he made the throws he had to, but they weren't – it wasn't like they were – MTSU did not present the type of threat that was going to make him have to throw in awkward spots. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see this week, you know. And Jalen Milrow, what he started against, uh, against was started against AM? He came in off the bench. Bryce against got hurt Arkansas. against Arkansas, and then he was pretty shaky, and then he had that 77-yard run that put the game away. And then against A&M, he had a bunch of turnovers, but he still, like, had some moments. But it was a lot of, like, concerning turnovers in that game. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at the line, pretty much has stayed at a touchdown the entire time. Um you know, here in town, it was seven, got to eight, back to seven, and it's pretty much stayed status quo there the, the entire time. So I don't know if we'll see some movement, maybe maybe towards the dog a little bit. Um, but I think this is that ultimate kind of what are these two teams type of game. I mean, Texas has the talent. They've been recruiting at an elite level. They've got a lot of, you know, guys on that roster that are that are capable. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I... I really like Texas. I think they're going to win the Big 12. Uh, you know, I'm not spooked by Oklahoma scoring, you know, 73 and making Butch Jones cry on the sidelines. I still think Texas is is the class of this conference. And look, last year they should have beat them. Um, that'll be brought up a billion times this week that you know they should have won if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt. But um, you know, Sark. I'm not a big Sark guy as a you know in game you know. Uh, head coach, but the dude can can dial it up offensively. That's for sure. Ole Miss <clears throat> seven and a half point favorite on the road against Tulane. I just looked this up last year against UCF. 
was the first time since 1947 that Tulane hosted a game in which both teams were ranked. Or excuse me, 1949 was the last time. This was last year. So this is the second time this weekend since 1949 that Tulane has hosted a game in which both teams were ranked. And they are a seven and a half point dog on the road. Jeffrey, in our opening segment, said he w- he feels he might have been mistaken. He was overlooking Tulane. Thought they might take yeah. a half step back this year, but they look good week one. What do you make of that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was lockstep there. Uh, I loved South Alabama last week. I thought they were going to get in and and maybe even pull out the out- outright upset. Nope. Uh, Michael Pratt looked the part, man. Yeah. He was he was very. Uh, he was very efficient in that game. He was just so smooth. Like, I felt like every time that something kind of could have gotten squirrely, like, he made a big play. Like, he was just, like, that was was smooth was what I thought watching him. The worry I have is that that Pratt got a little dinged up in that game. And you've seen the market move pretty strong towards Ole Miss. I mean, this game opened at four on Sunday and is now out to seven and a half. So I think Ole Miss, even though they played an FCS opponent, kind of proved what they are and and the type of talent that they have on that roster. Um, you know, I, you know, week one I think home dogs went seven and four against the spread with four outright wins. Uh, Tulane is one of nineteen home dogs this week, uh, so there's a lot of home dog situations. Um, but you just you look at the weapons that Ole Miss has, it is an embarrassment of riches uh, that they're working with. I mean, Trey Harris, the Louisiana Tech transfer, comes over. He has four touchdowns in the game. He had three touchdowns in like three minutes and 15 seconds. The problem is it's like I don't – Mercer had no like no chance of covering him, so I don't – like that's kind of the thing. It's like Dart looked really impressive in that game, but I, I still don't know what to make of it. And I, watching the two-lane game – against South Alabama. Once again, I was on the wrong side of that one, so that was super fun. Thank you, by the way. Uh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, they look, they look a lot better. They look faster than I, than I thought they were going to be. But, I mean, Ole Miss is on another level of speed and, and athleticism. So, you know, they're going to be up for it, I think, Ole Miss uh, in this spot. And, you know, you got a ranked versus ranked opponent uh, showdown here uh, at Yulman Stadium, and – yeah, I think the market's kind of telling you something, though, uh, that, you know, just keep an eye on on the health status of, of Pratt. I, he's going to play, but I know he was banged up. I think he was riding the bike on the sideline during during the game. Um, and he's going to have to make more plays. I mean, he was – I mean, the, the throws that he made were, were like perfection yeah. uh, against South Alabama. He was incredibly precise. I mean, the biggest thing for, for Tulane – which I said in you know my handicap of the game uh, was they do have their offensive line back essentially and they have you know some some receivers returned Lawrence Keys one of them who who scored you know a big touchdown there but man I I just I think that that line is telling you something that is moving that strongly uh, against Tulane open four like I said at Circa on Sunday it is now seven and a half in Ole Miss's favor and then I got some great news this weekend. Mm. Uh, Jeffrey knows Tim. I've been. A, I'm a Michigan grad, Michigan fan. I've been a little worried just because everyone they they have to go undefeated this year, like with the schedule they have and all that. 
and a little worried about just... Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.